probably end service right now, but pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, the, the overriding theme that we can't stop talking about this morning is Jesus is better. And God, you are good. And not by any other definition, but by you and you alone through the person of Jesus Christ. To all the fame and the power and the glory will be given this morning and in every moment. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Stay standing for the reading of God's word. I want to invite Anne-Marie Stanchik up. Yeah, you can go ahead and use this. Colossians 1, 15 through 29. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. This is the word of God. Thank you, Anne-Marie. So while you're transitioning, I'll put this back on the table. Like I said before, my name is Jeff Dawkins, and I have the privilege to serve as an elder. Pastor Doug and his family are away for the week, recharging and restoring. And this is a beautiful thing. So keep your prayers for the attacks that always come when, as we all know, we try to have that little moment of peace, right? Away from the normalcy of life. The attacks seem to come. So we want to pray for our faithful pastor. Uh, today, I'm going to challenge you guys to sit and reflect a lot. We're going to talk about God's greatness and everything, as we should be all the time. Part of that is just recapping where we are or where we were talking about where we are. We just came out of that seven-week series on the great I am. And we talked about it. You can see all these symbols up there of the great I am on the wall. 
And so that was a wonderful time to bring us through that, 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 that birth of Christ mentality and to show who Jesus is. But we're going to start today and do a two-part series. This message today is entitled The Mission of Cross-Train, and next week will be The Strategy of Cross-Train. So the mission is the why, the strategy is the how. Okay, so I want to get you guys set already on that. We're going to be in a Bible, like I said today. You're going to be in Colossians 1. That's the section that Anne Marie just read for us. If you do need a Bible, please raise your hand, and one of the connectors will make sure you have a Bible to work off of. Um, you're going to want to open up to Colossians 1. We're going to be going through what she just read, Colossians 1, 15 through 29. But first, let's start by anchoring our mind right. I'm going to start with our first talking point. Because in Psalm 19, King David tells us that the heavens declare God's glory in the first six verses. That the word of God is soul restoring in verses 7 through 11. So listen, how does the realness of God, how does the realness of God show up in your life in these ways? So I want you to take a few minutes with those around you and share with each other short, quick ways that we can see him in his word, in his creation, and in his grace to us. So you're not going to be giving me any answers back. Just among each other here, just take a few minutes and talk about those things, okay? Go ahead. Okay, so hopefully you guys had a chance to talk with each other about some of these things. I know at our table, we talked about how we can see God's grace and his creation. And as my, my oldest son gets ready to graduate high school here, come up the semester, you know, being a homeschool family, we know things like, are you aware that the axis of the earth is tilted at, I don't even know the degrees, right? Somebody, maybe some homeschool kid can, can learn that for me, <laughs> right? The axis of the earth is tilted. You realize that if the earth was tilted even one degree or that the temperature of the earth was one degree higher, that we'd all be gone? I mean, like if you were to look at the way that it says in Job 26 that God hangs the heavens from, right, from the beginning. He hangs everything. Just something like that to see the realness of God's grace. And then we talk about 
um, some examples right in our own lives. And hopefully you guys had a chance to work through some of these things. And that's the mentality that I want you to start off today by really anchoring into, is that God's grace is real. And when you come to church on Sundays, if you are anchoring in that reality, then your Sunday church is a continuation of what Monday through Saturday should look like. Would you agree? But to come to church on Sunday saying, I can't wait to get filled up again. And then to go out and live Monday through Saturday completely different. That would be hard for me to understand with the realness of God. God is real and he's good. And as was started off today with our friends Taylor and Farron, Jesus is better. He's better today. He's better tomorrow. Right? So with that, we're going to walk into our message. I said today's message is titled The Mission of Cross Train. I want to encourage you to look up at the screen for our training thought today. After our talking point, how does who he is motivate us to share him with others? Again, how does who he is motivate us to share him with others? We're going to learn about that through three training truths. That's hard to say. The first, recognizing how we connect with the Son, will be verses 15 through 18. Let's us be witnesses and examples, verse 18 through 23, to engage the world as we show his salvation, verses 24 through 29. So we're going to launch right into it in our first training truth, recognizing how we connect with the Son. So in your Bible, verses 15 through 18, follow along with me, please. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So in verse 15, that word firstborn, Paul's going to spend a lot of time in this section talking about the preeminence of Christ. So firstborn, it's a term of honor. It really means the highest the first importance, the one of most regard. And would you agree that Jesus is that to his Father? He is. Jesus is the reflection of the Father's goodness. He is the firstborn. He is the exact image of his Father that we get to see. You know, the Bible talks about no one can look upon the face of God and live, but we look upon the face of Jesus. That in itself, by the way, if you haven't thought about it, that's grace. That God would promise to wipe us out for looking at his face and then gives us himself, but I still love you. Here, have a piece of me. So he talks about in verse 16 and 17, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and earth. Then in 17, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Listen to this. We walk from our todays into our tomorrows, and we just hope it goes okay, whether it's paying bills, whether it's your job or or sickness, or health. Christ always walks out of our tomorrows to come back and meet our needs today. I'm going to say that again. Christ always walks out of our tomorrows back and meets our needs today. He knows what we need, he knows what we need when we get to tomorrow because he's already been there. He sees all things at all times. He was first. None of your tomorrows, as you worry, as you have anxiety, none of your tomorrows pass by without going through Christ. I don't think it really hits you enough. None of your tomorrows go through without passing through the filter of Christ. That's a big deal. 
So all the worry we have, all the fears we have, it passes through the lens of Christ who, who is good and he's better. So why do we worry? As I say, worrying all the time. I get it. So let's look at verse 18. In verse 18, after we look at how he's firstborn, he's preeminent. Verse 18, he's also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That was our bulletin verse. He is the head of the church, right? So last week, Pastor Doug reminds us what, what God was doing with his kingdom. And it was us, right? We are what God is doing on earth to make himself known. Look up on the screen. He sent Jesus. Jesus sent his spirit. And his spirit sends us to the world. I'm going to say that again. God sends his son, Jesus. Jesus then gives us his spirit. His spirit in us is what is being sent out into the world to show him. That's going to lead well into our next talking point, which again, I want you to reflect on some of these things here. So the next talking point reads as follows. It says, take a minute. Don't say anything. Don't write anything down. Just watch the screen and float for a minute in the vastness and everythingness of who Jesus is. And some things are coming up on the screen. I want you just to spend time with the Lord right now. Go back to that last slide. Our lives are meant to be lived to tell people about you and your story. Today's message is the mission of cross training. It's really the mission of Christ. Our lives are meant to tell people about you and your story. So we've seen how recognizing our connection to Jesus changes everything, and that's the what. So now let's see how the change in the disciples through the next section occurs in verses 19 through 23. That's the how. Remember our training thought. How does who he is motivate us to share him with others? Well, first, we recognize how we connect with the Son. And secondly, we're going to talk about how he lets us be our witnesses and examples. So verses 19 through 23. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth, or things in heaven. Well, just those two verses alone, it forces me to stop. I used the word before about reconcile, and we heard that word reconcile, I don't know if you caught it, twice in the prayer time. Jesus in verse 20 is the reconciliation between what the standard of heaven is, which is pure holiness in the sight of God, and what the standard of, of, of sin is, which is pure evil in the sight of God. Jesus reconciles that. And he actually, as you know this from basic Sunday school stuff, and if you've never heard this before, if you're listening online, hear me now. He is the only pathway. He is the only reconciliation. He's the only bridge across an unbeatable chasm. 
See how Jesus himself explains his disciples this mystery in a parable in Luke 16. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to refer to Luke 16, verses 22 through 26. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can follow along. Verse 22. Now, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise, Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you're in agony. And listen to this. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. So I remember the first time I read that, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, I thought, it's not fair, right? It's not fair. Why is that fair? And then somebody smarter than I said the only two types of fair in the world are state and county, so get over it, right? It's not about being fair. It's about a standard of holiness that you don't get to decide, that I don't get to decide, that God decided. And there is a chasm of sin that once you jump into, which we all have, we can't be in the presence of heaven. That's a big deal, such a big deal that Jesus came and died on a cross to make a bridge for us. And we're the prophets to the world showing that everyone destined for hell can change their address. That in a moment, we have an opportunity to talk to somebody or to pick up a phone and call somebody or just to pray and be in battle for people. Because people are dying, and Pastor Doug says, right? Hell is hot, eternity is long. People are dying. And without Jesus, they spend eternity apart from him, apart, separated, like Lazarus, and the rich young ruler, right? I mean, it's just, that should draw you to your knees right there for God's grace. So that was 19 and 20, verses 21 through 23, getting back in the text. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, I'm sorry, I left you guys in Luke, but we're going to be in Colossians 1 again. Yet now he's reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So we're first reconciled so that, in verse 22, we can be given as a wedding gift for Christ. Now listen to this. He only asked one thing. And I love the way, again, that's been said over and over week to week here. If you spend any time with Crosstrain, we don't script any of this stuff out, right? As Pastor Doug would say, we're a glorious mess, but yet we're tidy enough that the Lord can use us. And I love that. Listen to the connection. He asks one thing. He just asks us to continue. He has to continue. Do you know what that word continue means in Greek? You heard me talk about it when I talked about John 15. It's abide, that same word, meno right? The same word in Greek, he again is using, Paul is using that same word that John used when he talked about the vine and the branches. 
And when you continue in the faith, we can learn that that's what Paul is trying to point out, that the church in Colossae needs to learn, that we need to continue in the faith and abide in him. And how are we doing with that, right? The two talking points so far have been your ability to reflect upon God's word and his creation and what his spirit has done in your life and will do in his life, in your life. So what do you do with that? Got to do something with that. You can say, wow, that's great. Jeff, you know, that's, I completely agree in the Bible. That's great. But what are you going to do with it? Well, I want you to hear about somebody who did something with that truth, the same truth. I'm going to read a story here. And when I tell you who it is at the end, you're going to say, of course. Of course, Jeff. Of course that happened. In this truth that this man about the story I'm going to tell you lived out is the same truth I just gave to you guys. So just remember, as I'm doing a big buildup on this, after the story, when you have people in leadership or people in the church talk to you or in other churches, in your mind, of course, of course I'll go do this. Of course I'll take what I know because of that cross and this God and this highly favored soul and bring it to the lives of other people. Of course. So there's an inscription in the dome of our capital in Washington, which few people know about. It says, one far-off divine event toward which the whole creation moves. A visitor saw this inscription and asked the guy what it meant. He said, I, I, I think it refers to the second coming of Christ. When the dome of our capital was erected, some God-fearing official ordered that inscription to be etched in the dome of our seat of government, believing that its truth was vital to the concern of our nation. That was written by Billy Graham. Billy Graham's passion to see Jesus as preeminent first in all things, it was vital to him as the air he would breathe. He, he was chosen to be an example, much like Paul, much like Mike, much like Jeff, much like Luke. And before he died, listen to this, it's thought that he had shared Jesus, listen to this number, I had to actually check this, 3.2 million people. He had, before he died, he had shared Christ conservatively with 3.2 million people worldwide. And these are the people, by the way, who responded to the call of Christ in their hearts. Who knows how many gas pump experiences he had, right? So who's the next person for you? 3.2 million people starts with one person. And as I famously love to say, and I don't even have the answer to this, Everybody's heard the name of Billy Graham, but few people know the name of the dude that introduced Christ to Billy Graham. It was somebody. You can look it up. It's a story. I don't have time for that now. <laughs> but listen to me. The person whom you next give the hope of Jesus could be the next Billy Graham. Already for this? The next Kendall Tootin or the next Adam Griffin. Because these people, you people, us, we are the chosen example to bring Christ to the world. So why not? What do you do with what you have? That's the point. Billy Graham saw the call in his heart as, as first importance, as Christ being first in his heart, and he had to tell people. Don't get confused. Because as Brian said in our prayer time, when we pray, God confuses the minds of our enemy. Don't you be confused. This is our mission. So it's going to lead us into our third talking point, which 
you know I'm setting you up for something, right? The first two, no one had to say anything. You're like, I'm going to be with Jesus, and it was good, and we should do these things. And the third talking point, let me read this. In our church, where we surround imperfect people with the love and support of Christ, I encourage you to be transparent, as my brother Mark would bring up. If a stranger looked at your life, what would they say was the most important thing to you based on how you lived your life? And is there anyone that would be brave enough to share that? So what I'm looking for is you, just got, you guys can give me some feedback if you want, or you can stay quiet. But I'm going to stay up here, and I want you to think about this. We had a church, we have a church where people have confessed all sorts of things going on, and we as a church have rallied around them. Not because we pity them, but because as imperfect people that are saints that sometimes sin, we need the body. We need the one another's. We need the shield wall. And all of us here recognize that. And so we all walk hand in hand towards the fight and not away from it. And every time there's been someone like that, I've seen groups of people start praying. Not saying, get away from me. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to catch what you have. It's sin. And we all have that same disease. All right? And we all have the same cure through Jesus. So as I'm talking, you guys reflect, is there anyone that wants to bless the church with something they can share about if a stranger looked at your life, what do you think the stranger would say is the most important thing to you based on how you're living? Go ahead, T'Challa. Mm. Prior to salvation, I was a dad, but not a father. I was absent, non-caring, non-connected. That thing manifested to every one of my children. So one day a few years ago,
He said, I heard you. And if you're here, this must be serious. I said, this is so serious that God wants to save your life naturally and eternally. And I'm not going to move. You get up out of this hospital bed and go home. He said, but you know what they said? Mm. Mitchell Bell, six foot six of him, is now standing up, riding bikes, living life, mm. and now has an aspect of God he had never seen in his father before. Mm. And I know for me that that would be the thing that a stranger would have to take a look at and wonder what did God do to me to get me to that point where my son, who I was totally disconnected from suddenly saw a me he had never seen well that was because he got a chance to see a God he had never seen Amen Amen. Amen. Thank you T'Challa I appreciate that and you think about something he said and I know Scott's going to say something too think about something he said he said you know he couldn't see me but he could hear me do you feel disconnected from God do you like me sometimes or maybe like Sean talked about? Do you feel sometimes that you're in a corner in a spot where God can't see you? Do you feel that way? Because his word promises that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the surface of the earth. There are no dark corners with Jesus. And you may think he doesn't see you, but he hears you. He hears you. He hears the prayers of your heart as well as your mouth. And that's what you do with it. Scott, you want to say something?
Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it, Scott. Listen, so... So for those people that are listening online that may not have heard some of the things, so what T'Challa had talked about, right, was what a God can do in reconciliation. What a God can do in reconciliation is only what God can do is miracles. And what Scott had said was when people look in our lives and they see us being used as a vessel, there is no limit to what God can do. Remember what I said before. There's never a tomorrow that we get to that God has not already been through. And we filter all that through the hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's amazing. So I really, I thank you guys for sharing those stories. And, and that really, if you think about it, that's our second, our second truth was it lets us be witnesses and examples. What wonderful stories do you guys have? Because I know they're out there because I have the blessing to know almost every single person in this church. And every one of you, every one of us has a story about being a witness and an example. So moving forward, we're going to remember our training thought again is how does who he is motivate us to share him with others? And I think that we're moving quickly onto that path. The first two points, as I said, were the what and the how. This last point today that we're going to move into is the why. So we recognize how we connect with the son that lets us be his witnesses and examples. And the third training truth, to engage the world as we show his salvation. Back in the text in Colossians 1 verses 24 through 29, follow along with me. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do share on my behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I love that. Verses 24 through 27, Paul explains right here, his life was only given so that he could preach the glory of Jesus and his salvation. And if you see verse 25, look at the last part of verse 25. The last part of verse 25 reads, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. He is a minister of the gospel. He's preaching everywhere he goes, much like Billy Graham did. So, but what is he saying when he remarks, fully carry out his preaching? Why would Paul, of all people, say to, to be fully carrying out this preaching? Well, he's talking about the charge to all of us, all disciples of Jesus, the apostles, Paul, us here in the church today, and worldwide, because Paul's life was to share Jesus so that he could make disciples, guess what, that made disciples, right? That was his life. Is that our life? It's our charge at Cross Train. I've taken little snippets to define our mission. This is a key point. Our charge at Crosstrain. We make disciples that make disciples. We train people to teach God's truth, which is the only truth. And look how he ends this section. We want to focus on, on the Christ in you part. And that's at the end of verse 27. And that is not a bad thing. But who Christ is, who he is, that really matters. 
And without a focus on Christ, and what Paul's going to lead us into in verse 28, is without that strong, connected focus on Christ, there's a slow fade of Christ forgetfulness or gospel forgetfulness that can be real to anybody. Consider that there is a sign in front of a church in, in the south part of our country. And the sign, you guys may have seen this before, it reads this, in line after line. It reads first, we make even the gospel and our salvation about us. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. We preach we. The sign ends with we. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about Christ in you. It's only ever about Christ alone. Amen? It is not about what he can do through Jeff. It's about what he can do. And praise God he chooses to use any one of us at any time. Because that's amazing. That's how you get stories from Numan. That's how you get stories of a man who quits his job and says, my real job as a father is to be here with my son. Because our father is here with his kids. I was reading the other day, Oswald Chambers, it says, we do not allow our minds to dwell as they should on these great, massive truths of God. Do you understand? We just want to get to the next event, maybe like the next video game, the next football game, the next, the next, the next, and we don't give our chance, we don't give our minds a chance to really dwell And that's what the hope is today, that you would consider what it means to be a vessel used for the glory of God. Because Christ in you is your hope. It's the only hope of eternal glory. And if you're his, the hope of Christ is fixed and sealed and your future is secure. And his glory is everlasting. But honestly, Christ in you is the only way to live a life that reveals his glory. You want to check yourself? Take a look. When that stranger looks at your week, what's being glorified in your week? Is it you? If it's you, it's not Christ in you. It's you. But if it's transferring hope, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control into the lives of people, oh, that's Christ in you. That's Christ in you. And you know what? That's what he's left us here to do. So walk with me in the last verse here, verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul lays it all out in front of the church. Proclaim, correct, teach Jesus to make us all complete for him when he returns. And so that's it. That's all we're to do. An accepted theme of the book of Colossians is sufficiency. Paul is telling the church at Colossae, you can be sufficient and made complete as you continue and abide in Jesus, whom I saw because his spirit was in me. Remember, he says, I was the one untimely born. That's what he said. That his work in me, when he stopped me from persecuting the church and moving forward, that was real. And church, this can be real to you too. So we are left here on purpose. After we're saved for a purpose, We know that baptisms last week, which was pretty cool, right? It showed us that we had two more witnesses now that are walking this earth proclaiming the glory of Christ. That's our mission. And so listen to me. If you've checked out, kids, if you're doing something else right now, one, two, three eyes on me, right? This is important. I'm going to say next. 
at cross-train, recognizing how we connect with the Son lets us be witnesses and examples to engage the world, showing his salvation. Connect, be, engage. That's the mission of cross-train. Connect, be, engage. That's the mission. So now it's your turn. As I invite the music team back up and the communion folks that are going to serve us today, we're going to do a short time of response. So as they're walking up here, we're going to do communion after the song of response. Communion is going to be done at the tables today. And while they're getting all this together, I want you to think about something. Last week, you were asked to write down two to three words that you wanted 2022 to be marked by, by doing something with Jesus and then give it to God by hanging it over here in our prayer wall. During the time of response now that you guys have to think about this and to dwell on the everythingness of Jesus, I want you to write down one thing, one thing that you'll start today to put in place to begin to accomplish what you wrote on the cards last week. It is a beautiful thing to declare yourself open and available for the Lord. It is also an accountable thing to do something with what you said. And I will tell you this, keep whatever you're going to write down in your Bible. Keep it in your Bible. Tell someone else about it. Tell at least one other person that will keep you accountable. And in his grace, take a step with him every day, and that will mark your witness with Jesus in 2022. Let's pray. Father God, in an amazing turn of events, you chose this church before the world was created. You chose cross-trained here and now to represent you and to be your witnesses as an example. And Lord, I don't know what we would do without the opportunity to be in the lives of the one another's that we would have this, this great opportunity and this time with one another today to look at who you are in light of your gospel glory is, is still a mystery to me. But I praise you and I proclaim the truth of the scripture that says that we don't walk into any tomorrow without filtering it through you who have already been there because you were, you are, and you will be. And the book of Revelations the book of Revelation should not be about building bomb shelters, but it should be about building bridges because we see that time is short, Lord, and so as we go into this time response, you've given us your call. You've given us your mission. Lord, would you do something amazing in this time? In the name of Christ and all God's people said, amen.